0: Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Good morning and welcome here with Fladdling Today. I'm Cam, uh, your wonderful host, and we have got a a wonderful interview today with the delightful Lorna Johnson. (laughs) Welcome Lorna, and thank you for coming along.
1: Uh, Thanks, Cam. Morena, everyone. Um, Yeah, it's great, actually. I think it's my first interview on Flatting Today.
0: Yes, yes. So I've obviously taken over the role of uh, as the coordinator at um, Manawatu Tenors Union. I have taken on this role of doing this radio show uh, as part of that. i also obviously very familiar with the station because I do Palmy Pride um, and uh, unions... Um, calling all workers for the unions, Manawatu as well. I do a, a couple of shows there. You're
1: just turning into a professional uh, radio <laughs> host these days.
0: Yes, yes. Um, so I heard a rumour around town that you are a whiz on social housing.
1: <laughs> I don't know about a whiz, but I'm definitely a strong advocate for council being involved in social housing, that's for sure.
0: So from your perspective, why yeah. do you see council should be dealing with social housing or, or providing social yeah. housing
1: Well, uh, that's a good question because not all councils do. And some councils over the last few years have made the decision to sell off their social housing and to not be involved in it anymore. Um, The main reason I I feel strongly that we should, as a council, be involved in social housing is because it's what our community wants. So we've got a proud tradition in Palmerston North of the council providing housing for seniors and for people um, living with disability and for other people that that need um, public housing that are struggling to get a house in the rental market. And over the years, the community has let us know that they strongly support that. And what I've found is that every time we consult on social housing, should council build more, should council do more, we get a huge response from people saying, yes, we want you to do this, we want you to keep doing it, Uh, we want you to do more of it, you know, do more of the thing. Um, and so, I think that councils really should reflect what their community wants them to do. And no matter the government of the day, what they're doing or what they're not doing, um, your local council is your opportunity for the community to say, "This is how we want our community to be. This is we. This is what we want our community to provide uh, for each other." And so, you know, whilst I'm still getting the message from people in Palmerston North, they strongly want. Council to be involved in social housing, then that's what I'm going to advocate for. And, and so, just to
0: confirm, this is social housing in the sense that it's an addition to the state houses that are already provided by the government. This yes, is not. Yeah. included in that additional um, housing yeah. 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 that the yeah. council city own as ratepayers, we essentially own that as. Yes, an asset. that's
1: right. Yeah, so the houses belong to the city council and so to the people of Palmerston North. So the government provides housing through Kāinga Ora and uh, via MSD. Uh, City Council is a totally separate system. And in fact, we don't receive any subsidy from government for that housing, which is a little bit of a sore point.
0: So it's essentially, the ratepayers, whilst funding the actual social housing, we're also collecting the rent as the revenue source from, from that, but we're also 100% liable for the repairs and maintenance yes, that's of right. those buildings.
1: Yep, absolutely. And so um, I I guess if you think of who provides social housing in New Zealand, there's kind of three layers. There's the government layer, there's council layer, and then there's independent uh, community providers. So we're in that sort of council layer.
0: Yes. So I I hear there's the the place on... um there uh, was just the recent one that's just been completed, Papioa Place, yeah. Place. And the one I'm thinking on uh, Hiratonga Street.
1: Yeah, so that's the same one. Oh, it's the same yeah, one. You're... It's the same one. So it stretches across from Papioa Place, which is the uh, little um, cul de sac to Haritanga
0: Street. Oh, it's a big section. Yeah. So I yeah. thought they were actually run separate. You two thought they were separate? separate. No, 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 it's all
1: one. But we've done it in separate stages. So, ah,
0: okay. That's so like we've that. had,
1: you know, the stage that was adjacent to Papoia Park was done first. And uh, more recently, we've been doing the stage that um, fronts onto Haritanga Street. So that's how you could think it was two different. But it's all one side.
0: Now, now you may be able to answer a, a glaring question that I have here that's screaming at me. Uh, only because of your your Role in the council, you might know if this is an inside thing or, or planned just for me. But yeah. I noticed these houses are all painted different colors, and I'm getting quite a rainbow theme. <laughs> was that intended for, for for the rainbow community, or just, just how it happened?
1: <laughs> it was just how it happened. But uh, we uh, council, council laws certainly had no input into the choice of colors. Uh, that's our contractor, Latitude Homes, that has uh, done this, but certainly when they submitted the design, uh the design was submitted with, you know, the colourful um, frontages of of the units.
0: Because I reckon that really makes a pop. And, and yes, it stands out, but it also goes, actually, I really like them. They're not boring, mundane, yeah. um, drab like they, they used to look. Yeah. Um, it, it looks really nice. And I, I kind of almost drive past and go, if I had to live in one of those places, I would be quite happy to live. Yeah.
1: You know, I would be proud to live there. And, and that's always been my... Um, my sort of standpoint is, would I be happy to live in one of these units? And I certainly would. And the residents tell us that they absolutely love all the different colours and, um, you know, and that's how it helps. It helps give that sense of individuality because when you've got a lot of units that are the same design, you don't want it to be just a row of everything exactly the same. And you want seems, to be able to put your own touch on it as well. The
0: same layout on the insides as well. Yeah, just, Yes, it's
1: a standard layout. Um, I don't know if you realise, but they're all designed... Uh, for ageing in place so they've got level floors um, you know the bathrooms are all kind of um, one level there's no steps so walk-in showers and stuff like that and wide corridors um, wide doorways no steps so that you know uh, if you go into a unit at uh, when you retire um, and then 10 years later your mobility is a lot worse and you need a walker or a wheelchair then you can still stay in the same unit
0: and I think that's it's really good that's that whole consist- consistency i mean I look at it like my grandparents have been um renting for for many many years, and they were in a property that I think they growing up that they've always lived there so that's at least you know twenty five thirty years yeah. um and at the age of you know seventy they had to move to a smaller property because on the private market um because the the owner wanted to do it up and, and sell it after you know 30 years and so I think providing that continuity of being just being able to stay there as your situation changes yeah. actually provides a lot more security in, in later later life
1: Yes that's right and I, and I think council is a very stable landlord um, and a very predictable landlord um, so you've got a lot more security of tenure when you're renting a house from council than you are say in the private market.
0: Yes, and I mean in all fairness, my my dealings with the council around and housing have always been amazing. You know the team are very uh, yeah. proactive, and I can just ring up and talk to the housing um, officer and be like, "Hey, this is the situation," yeah. and we we formulate plans and ideas for the for the tenant because we're all in it for the person in the house. Yeah,
1: that's right. Well, we've got really good tenancy officers, and they they know the tenants. Um, you know, they know they're, they're they're sort of empathetic to the needs of the tenants, and, and that's what you need really. Um, it's not, it's not. Um, I guess we're running it for the good of the of the residents. That's the primary purpose. It's not uh, a money maker in that sense.
0: No, but and and i I feel that social housing should be run as in a sense that it's not a revenue. it creates revenue, but that revenue essentially funds itself so that eventually get to the point whereby um you know the input is minimal from the the ratepayers or to keep it low cost. yeah so' for we've, for we've
1: um councillors have set the policy um that the rent for our social houses should not be more than twenty five percent of the person's income.
0: And that's very reasonable. I mean, a yeah. lot of people in the I Region are on fixed income, so yes, there's no. Yeah, they are mostly. Like, if they're on a pension, that's set by the government. Yeah. You know, no one can interfere with that. So, to suddenly put up the rent, it's like, really? Yeah. You're, you're just taking away from something that they could, you know, their insurance or their, their car, really, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think. Again, it provides that security people, they know what the rent's going to be, they know it's always going to remain affordable. And th- and that's important because, um, as you'll probably be aware, um, there's a growing problem of people reaching retirement age um, and then because they don't own their own home and they're continuing to rent, not being able to afford private rentals anymore. Yes. Um, and so... There's a big need for seniors to have affordable rental housing in retirement, and so you know that's part of what we provide.
0: And I mean, just to give people a context, the market, the market rent is anywhere from 400 to to 550 here in Palmerston North, at least, depending on where you where you live. Yeah. Um. You know, that's that's a huge rank, That's and that's per week.
1: Yeah, and if you're living on your own, of course. You've got no one to share the bills with. That's just your rent. You've got all your other bills on top of that. So, it, it, you know, it's very hard and the affordability just isn't there for people that are trying to survive just on their pension. Yes, yes. So how, how many houses did the council provide? Well, um, before we started our building program, we had 401 and um, by the time we finish, we'll have uh, getting on for 450. So um, it, it's quite a large number. A hundred of those are what we call public housing, so they are not a subsidised rent. Yeah. Um, and they're for people who might struggle to find a rental in the private market because they're being discriminated against for some yes. reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they would just so they they go on as um, and is the open market.
1: Yeah Tears, um yeah I'd You still counsel. have to um you know you still have to meet the criteria to rent one uh but they are they're not really for seniors or for people on um on a government benefit they're more uh, for people who you know are uh, for example um many of them are um migrants um people yes. who have come to the country with no history of um you know no credit history no um history of rental, no references for renting a place. And that makes it really, really hard to actually be um, accepted to rent a place because you've got no uh, credit history and you've got no, um, you know, reference from previous landlord. So those are are the sorts of instances where the public housing is is used, but the rest of it is all subsidised.
0: Well, and I think that's that's certainly uh, what's needed because we want to encourage, you know, communities like... Uh, that to come to Palmerston North and and be part of our
1: yeah that's uh, right great, we, we great want city. to be an inclusive community and welcome everybody and um, I think as well that you know council uh, as a as a landlord has got a responsibility to show what a good landlord can be yes. Um, you know, and uh, we can sort of set the tone in terms of how we uh, treat our tenants and the sorts of facilities we can provide. So.
0: And it's, it's also good. I see it as as an example of setting the setting the standards as well of what's expected for houses in Palmerston North. Mm-hmm. In the sense of the Healthy Home standards, I see mm-hmm. weekly some of the pictures and, and evidence that come through of some of the states of of housing in the private. Uh, tenancy market of just poorly maintained properties from, from landlords. And it actually, kind of, quite frankly, disgusts me that people are expected to live in those conditions. So I I applaud the council for, for doing that and going, no, this is the standard we expect and we want people to live like this. And then hopefully that kind of translates through at some, some stage because people now have this expectation, if that's what I get from the council, why should I get anything less from... Yeah, and I mean, and,
1: and it can be done, um, you know, without a vast expense as well. Uh, so the new flats at Papiro Place, for example, we made the decision that the, each uh, unit would have what we call a solar tube. Yeah. So um, it provides light in the hallway, but it also provides some heating. Yes. Um, and we also um, made the decision to have um, higher jib thicknesses and stuff like that, so that those units are much more. Um, Thermo-neutral, so they don't heat up too much in the summer, but also they don't cool down in win- winter, and that reduces people's heating bills.
0: Yes, uh, and certainly saves, uh, yeah, you know, flow-on effects, for yeah, being environmentally friendly and all, yeah. all that. Now, another birdie tells me, and only because I, I am the birdie that knows this. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know what's coming here, but okay. <laughs>
0: uh, no, nothing, nothing that's uh, not already out there yeah. in public public domain. Um, I. As you know, I champion the Rainbow community. Yeah. And so um, thank you for being a really staunch ally for our Rainbow community members because we, we appreciate and value people like you. And so part of that process, as I was at the 10-year plan um, doing a submissions for, for the community and I sat in uh, one of the day-long hearings. Ah, oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, was uh, that
1: entertaining? That <laughs> was really entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But
0: part of it was um, that you... Got, us, I think, fourteen million for
1: for social housing. Social housing.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like, so I mean, fourteen million sounds sounds like a lot. I um, mean, it is a lot in my mind. It should build a lot of houses. But what what do we get for that fourteen million as a, as a rate payer? Like, what will what I will go, you see for it? What will I see yeah. from it?
1: It depends really on whether we build on land that we already own or whether we go out and buy land. Yes. Now we have got land in various places. So, for example. Um, the old Haze Bowling Club that was vacated, uh, that land is now vacant. Yes. And we're looking at rezoning it for housing. So, um, And we've got other land around the place that we can use. So my, um, I guess, wish, <laughs> my yeah. wish is that we use land we already have so we can maximise the number of units we can build. Yes, um, And uh, if you take the Paparia Place units, for example... Um, you know, we – well, There are, it's not just the cost of building the unit. There's often a, a lot of cost around um, consenting um, and in terms of providing underground services and stuff. But yes. if you if you even all that out, um, you know, a million dollars will get you roughly about five units. So it's which, about 200,000 a unit. Which
0: is actually what I kind of yeah. feel in my mind uh, quite – quite a reasonable yep. uh, you know cost for building a new a new house and a new yep. thing. Given that if you're if you're building in like essentially if you take that bowling uh, land for the bowling club yeah. that is bare land now, you've still got to install all the infrastructure That's right. that you've goes with, with it. It's not a case stuff. of um, you're ripping out a house and putting in two new ones. No. Um,
1: You've got all the roading and parking the roading
0: and, and and let's be honest, we want to make sure we've got and yep. water and sewerage going to those yep. properties too. Um, you know, so if you're thinking at five. You know,
1: so the fourteen million it could get us uh, fifty units if we already own the land. I think that would be a reasonable estimate.
0: And that's actually, I feel like that's good value for.
1: Yeah, well, it, uh, it is, and and um, you know, if as as we said at the time, you know, if. The situation changes, and in some way, council no longer. You know, let's 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 pray there is no more housing crisis, <laughs> yeah. and and council doesn't need those units anymore. We're not obligated to keep them forever. That they're an asset that we could sell if we needed yes. to. So, it's um. I don't. I see it as a win-win, really. Yes.
0: Um. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, because if, effectively you'd be selling that on the on the market at the time. Yeah. Whatever that market market is. So. Yeah. Um, definitely. When the now I know there's the new subdivision out, um,
1: James Line, James Line, yes. Terrace. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, are there any plans to put council
1: units out there? Ah, um, well, that's very interesting. You should ask that actually. Yeah. So we did discuss that, and we uh, so so to backpedal a little bit. So that land was uh, owned by council uh, to be used potentially as an extension for the cemetery. And it was decided it wasn't needed for the cemetery extension and that it would be better for us to, um, you know, rezone it and use it for housing. Um, And so uh, when that was initially discussed, uh, councillors asked that some of the sections be made smaller sections so that they'd be more affordable. Um, But. You know, As the plans went through, it became clear that even the smaller sections wouldn't be that affordable for people when, when you work out the value of land these days. So uh, myself and uh, Councillor Beatty um, put through a request for um, a look at whether we could sell some sections to a community housing provider yeah. to provide some affordable housing. And to cut a long story short, uh, we have sold some sections to... Homes for People. Yes. And what they are going to do is to put, um, you know, more than one house on each section, probably three or four. Um, And we uh, we don't know the exact number yet, but we could end up with 30, 40, 50 affordable houses that Homes for People will may sell to some people because they do that yes. kind of, um, you know, affordable buying over a period of time. Uh, but they also rent out to people. So... We've done a partnership with Homes for People. Um, we looked at whether or not we would put our own social housing out there. But in the end, we decided that it wasn't necessarily um, the best location for seniors or people not that maybe. might not have their own transport because it's a little bit further out of town.
0: And then, of course, obviously, if you put more vulnerable people out there, then we need to make sure that our buses go We've out got there. services, yeah. And then, of course, yeah. we're not necessarily in control over, no. over those services that – yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, I mean, our buses are run by, um, you know, another Count Horizons. Horizons, or, or the, yeah. Um, so I think that's a a good. A yeah, good well, that, I mean, that's and, um,
1: that partnership is is a bit of a first, really, for a council to do something like that, and so we're quite excited about it and see how it's going to work.
0: Yes. So I have a thing in in building and about building building up. I mean, yeah. I've, I've travelled. Yeah. Yeah, I say yeah. I've traveled the world. I've traveled to America, um, and yeah, been in the states like uh, New York and um, Washington, San Francisco, and all that. We're we're up. It yeah. seems to be the thing. We it seems seems to be something we're not quite doing here, and I no. feel like we're missing the boat.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're a right. Lot. Um, so we um, we have um, got a district plan that does allow for building up um, in uh, certain parts of the city. And developers have traditionally not been keen to build up. Um, Their feel, I think, is that uh, they would struggle to or there wasn't the demand or they would struggle to sell um, apartments that were built up. Um, There's some very good examples of um, Soho um, in conjunction with Compass Housing uh, built along Pioneer Highway of um, three-storey flats. Yes. And um, they're lovely. They let us uh, have a little tour inside uh, when they were just about ready, and they're really very nice. So we as council have tried to incentivise building up. Not that many developers have taken us up on it. Um, Certainly if we get an opportunity to do some uh, building of uh, social housing closer into town, I think we'll be looking at building up. Um, There was a debate when we went for the design for Papier Place about whether or not to go for two-storey uh, yes. buildings, um, in the end we decided that uh, because many of the tenants that we would be housing there would have mobility issues uh, and the cost of putting a lift in every... Uh, every block. <laughs> every block was, was very expensive, that we wouldn't do that. But I think uh, going forward, we'd certainly be keen to be looking at, um, you know, two or three-storey properties because... For the for the footprint on on the ground, you're getting more housing.
0: Yes, and I mean every extra house is essentially um, some person being a person or or family or or group being being homed, and I think that's that's what we what we need to do. I've stopped calling it a housing crisis after working now in housing. I feel like it's just a it's a housing problem that's been you know systemic through history. When you start looking at it. through time it's certainly like we've government's been trying to to do it but it's just got to the point where it's just a a problem
1: well certainly um the social housing waiting list has only really grown in the last few years um so you you can um you can look at the figures um you know 10 years ago there might have only been 40 people on the list now it's six seven hundred so You know, the the lists have really grown in recent times, and I think some of it is uh, to do with the fact um, we had a a housing sort of summit as council last year where we brought together lots of people in the housing uh, industries to talk about how we could get more housing locally. And one of the things that was very interesting was after the financial crisis uh, in the early 2000s, there was a big slump in building. So basically our building just did not keep up with the needs for housing. And it it started to accelerate before COVID. Um, uh, but it's going to take several years of building at a much higher rate in order for us to catch up that kind of deficit that was made. Yes. So, I mean, I think, um, yeah, and there may always have been issues with housing, but it's certainly been a lot worse in the last few years.
0: And I mean and be and and it's also understanding that building is is the answer, but it's also a long term answer. You know, yeah. like if you say I want to build ten houses on this bit of land, that, that could be a three year process before you can actually sell them. Yeah, it doesn't as, happen tomorrow, you as, know. As, no, as houses. Right. So So yes, we go we'll build fifty more houses, but that's yeah. gonna take four years. Yeah. You know, that's that's just how how it is. Um
1: It is. But um, those four years they only pass anyway, so you might as well have planned to build. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so, have you? What's just want to touch quickly on, like, what's been your renting experience? Because a lot of our listeners out there are flatting or, or renting. Yeah. I mean, what's your renting experience been like here in New Zealand? Or um, well, or so obviously? when we first
1: came to New Zealand, uh, we rented for a while until we bought our own place. Um, uh, mind you we're talking over 20 years ago um, it, it wasn't that difficult to find a rental uh, at that stage there weren't tons of people you know, queuing up to look around yeah. um, it was fairly easy so within a month of arriving in New Zealand we found a rental and we had a rental for the first year um, I don't think we ever saw the landlord there was no such thing as a property inspection or or anything like you know like life. It was very life was very different as a renter twenty years ago. That's for sure. Um, and now my main experience, I suppose, is through my children. So I've got three adult children. Yes. Um, all all renting. Uh, one in uh, Ora housing, and the other two renting privately. Yes. Um, the one who lived in Wellington for five years has had some horrendous experiences I mean gosh the sorts of places that people are prepared to rent out and really you've got no choice particularly as a student you know yes. um, and then uh, not only this the sort of state of some of the houses uh, but you know the the performance of some of the landlords so, you know, uh, oh, well, um, I'd like to rent this house to uh, your group, but you're going to have to offer me more rent than the, than that, you know. Um, like semi sort of rent auctions to try and get a place. And, and you know, and the power even, is all with the landlord.
0: And it's not even there. Yeah. We're seeing more and more. So um, Obviously, I work closely with the Housing Advice yeah. Centre. And we are seeing more and more of these, um, you know, tenancy profiles where you can now pay you know, $20 to get a, a, a pet CV so that oh, you can make yeah. your pets look good to live yeah. in, to move into the property. Or you can, you know, buy the next level up for for, for $50 to, you know, put you at the top of the list of the, yeah. of the people going for it. And it's like, so now people are competing for a property in a market that's out of control, yep. having to pay extra fees just in order to secure a yeah. place um, and I mean the instant powers of trade me and instant I mean I remember uh, when I first went to uni probably 10 years ago looking for a, looking at flats and we'd get the property press yes. and you'd look at all the all the flats and the houses and stuff like that now you can go and trade me and I can yeah. view I can literally view and apply for 15 houses in 10 minutes yeah. whereas gone on the day of having to you know go round to an open viewing yeah. and you could only do four in a day yeah. Um and so there is a real concern that these extra fees are, are hindering people because if you've got a situation where you you don't have a lot of money, you're not in a position to pay to put yourself at the top of the list, but actually yeah. you've got a stable job, you've got good references, you look after your property, you know, in all and that you're probably the best tenant. Um, and so we're starting to concern that they, these these extra fees are starting to be a – you know, what we would call a letting fee.
1: Yes, well, I was, just, I was just about to say the same thing, that, you know, a letting fee was abolished, but it's sort of creeping back in through the back door through these other sorts of fees. And even, I mean, the law is one thing, but when you're a tenant in a property, um, it feels like often that the landlord has all the cards. Um, so one of my uh, offspring, who rents in Auckland... Um, the landlord just said uh, the other day that he wanted them all to pay an extra re- week's rent so that they were further ahead with their rent. And I, <laughs> I, Yeah. And I said, I'm sure that's not legal. And my son said, oh, you do make me laugh, mother. We just all paid up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, because yeah. who's got the power there? You know, yes. And um, do you want to have a fight with your landlord? Do you want to get taken to a tenancy tribunal? You might win. But then you you feel like you've got that black mark against you. And so... You know, I think a lot of the time the landlord has a lot more power than the tenant.
0: Yes, um, and that's kind of what I, you know, what makes me passionate about doing what I yeah. do with, with, with the advocacy and support um, because it, it is there is a power and, and yeah, balance. um there is. Um, and it, and I can understand it to a point because obviously it's you know they they're putting up the investment it's their property and all that but they're also I look at it the other side they're making money from, you know you're paying them five hundred dollars a week to live in that property therefore there is an expectation that it must be maintained it will be looked after you yeah. will be left alone um, yeah. and actually from an accounting perspective as an accountant an accounting student. Um, that is a as a as a property owner, that is your investment. It is in your interest to make sure that that is well maintained. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a revenue in it, you know, like yeah. you don't you don't buy a Ferrari and then not put oil in it.
1: No. no. So
0: you know, so like, don't. Why do you buy a a, a rental property and not maintain it or not insulate it? Mm. It seems really absurd that people will treat a really costly investment yeah. poorly, um, but you know will you know we'll spend lots of money on a nice car and get it serviced and it's like that provides you no income.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean there are all good landlords. I think we just don't hear so much about them, you know, uh, we tend to hear about the ones that are not uh doing what they should or the ones that are misbehaving. I guess, you know, you do sometimes hear about good landlords or people that don't uh, regularly put their rent up or who are, you know, understanding of their tenants, but Maybe, you know, particularly in the areas in which we both work, we probably hear the worst side of things as well.
0: Yes, um, and it just, yeah, it, it is hard. And I just wanted to acknowledge, like you said, all the good landlords out there, we don't hear about them because yeah. in theory we shouldn't, um, given the side yeah. that will work that we're on. But I just yeah. want to acknowledge that they are out there. They do exist. Um, and thank you for what they do for the, for yeah. the community and, and the people who, who, you know, they, they look after by providing that service because they don't have to. No. Um, and they, and I think if they didn't, there would be a lot of empty, abandoned houses around. Um, so, yes, awesome. But that, Lorna, as I'm afraid, is all I have time for today. <laughs> yes, right. we have chatted and netted away. Um, sorry I didn't provide you a cup of tea or a biscuit there. But oh, well, COVID we are in rules, COVID
1: times. COVID rules
0: says we yeah. can't share the same chocolate biscuit now, apparently. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't have been sharing my chocolate biscuit at any <laughs> stage, going there uh, otherwise. But
0: I do want to, I do want to thank you uh, for coming along and uh, partaking in this interview, and I wish you all the very best for your uh, days and endeavors in the weeks ahead. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. you Thank awesome. you all for listening.